good to see everybody today. And um, yes, we are um, back to uh, church as usual, not, not as usual. Um, and I know everybody's happy to be inside today. Can anybody say amen to that? All right, it's good news. And so we're so appreciative um, for all of you who were uh, bearing and enduring the weather um, to come out and worship God. And those of you who joined us for our evening service uh, as well. So uh, thank you so much for that. Uh, I know uh, many of you uh, heard the album Jesus is King on the way in, and so just making it clear that Kanye is not with us today, just in case <laughs> in his surprise appearances you thought he might show up. Um, but we do thank God for changed lives, don't we? Come on. Oh, okay, now listen. We thank God for changed lives. And that brother is preaching, you know, on that album. If you haven't heard it yet, he's preaching. So. Um, anyway, just wanted to say that it is good to be here together today, and um, we also wanted to uh, continue to celebrate some of the good news. Um, uh, we have actually with us several people about to have children, but one of our uh, new parents is actually uh, here today. They're behind the curtain, but make sure to peek back there and say hello to Ryan, Danny, and their new child. Can you give it up for the Howards? Okay, they're here today. Oh, they're over there. Okay, there they are. I was speaking on the wrong side. They're that way. Okay, so celebrate new life, new birth all around. Okay, so guys, we're going to um, jump into the word today. And what we've been doing over the course of the past several weeks is we've been going through a series called Seasons and understanding how God meets us in the different seasons of our lives. Um, we spent last week with our uh, special guest speaker, uh, Peter Aline, talking about really the pruning of the Lord in the midst of the seasons that we go through. And today we're going to uh, pick up, trying to, again to provide a little bit of continuity uh, and bridge what we were doing in last week's evening service and picking up on the theme of the fact that in the midst of our seasons, our root determines our fruit. I'm going to um, de really describe it in a different way from a different scripture today. Day, but we want to get inside of us that regardless of the seasons of life that God's taking us through, that the root system in God ultimately desert, determines the fruit that comes out of our lives. How many people believe that? Okay. Okay. Well, if not, we're going to read about it today. Okay. So let's pray and we're going to get into the word. Father, thank you for your good word to us today. May it be an encouragement to us. May you, God Almighty, be the lifter of our heads today. Even as we reflect on your goodness, your grace, and your mercy towards us. God, may we see Jesus clearly, your death, burial, and resurrection plainly, and may we live in the power of it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so today, if you have a Bible, we're going to turn to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. And this is obviously the beginning of all of the songs that we have in the book of songs um, there in the scripture, not only worshiping God, but proclaiming his goodness and his character to all mankind. And today, if you have a, um, a note-taking ability, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about this psalm in three parts. We're going to talk about with whom you walk, we're going to talk secondly about on what you stand. And then finally, we're going to talk about where you are seated, okay? With whom you walk, <clears throat> on what you stand, and where you are seated. Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates 
day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. All right, so let's begin. We, we know that we all go through different seasons of life. Uh, we talked about it even chronologically in the different types of relationships that we have throughout the years. We start off in a season relating to our parents in a certain way as children. Then as we grow, you know, we think we know something, right? And everybody remember being a teenager and feeling like you were grown, right? And you started to tell everybody about what you knew and what they did not know as a teenager. But then you grew a little bit more. You went into college and you actually graduated from college. If you didn't go to college and uh, you went to the straight to the workforce and then you saw what real life was about and then you realized you didn't know everything. Anybody hit that stage yet? And then you were realizing there's a whole lot more to learn about life. And as you continue to grow, some of you have uh, gotten married. And um, as you've gotten married, you've uh, not only enjoyed one another's company and the intimacy that comes there, but then you uh, desire for some of you to have children, as we were celebrating um, earlier today. But then those children eventually grow, and eventually they think they know everything. And so <laughs> that's a season that you get to enjoy get to trade places from being the one who knew everything to actually being told that you don't know anything. And so the good news is, is that eventually as you are continuing to grow and you see your children continue to grow, then eventually they become, you become an empty nester, right? We have certain empty nesters in here. And uh, as you are an empty nester, you continue to uh, grow and another season hits you as you've adjusted with that. And Finally, you get to come to a place of rest. Hopefully, enjoy those golden years. And so, regardless of what you see in the seasons that you have in life, you know that God walks with you in the midst of it all, right? God walks with you in the midst of it all, and God has a plan for each of the seasons of your life. One of the things that we often do is we think that God's relevant in certain seasons, but not in others. We think that God is applicable in the seasons where we so desperately need Him, but maybe not in the other. We begin to think that uh, God is not applicable in the seasons that we find ourselves in, but we know that God is applicable in every season. Now, first of all, we want to start with understanding with whom we walk. When you see that Psalm 1 starts off talking about the different seasons in life, we know that as we traverse through the different seasons, we're going to be engaging people and their counsel at different times, right? It's sort of like if you are growing and um, you're starting in your academic life, right? Everybody has an opinion about what job you need to study for to actually be a success in life. Anybody have people speak into that to you before? Okay, or when you graduate, you begin to think that... <clears throat> People begin to think that they need to um, tell you what it um, takes to actually be a success in life. Or actually, when you have kids, how many people know that when you have kids, everybody's going to come out of the woodworks? Everybody's going to come out of the woodworks and have an opinion about how you should raise your children. But we need to, as the people of God, in each season of life, be discerning regarding the counsel that you receive. 
You need to be uh, discerning regarding the counsel that you receive. There was a man named Francis Schaeffer, and he trying to apply the scripture, trying to apply the Bible to all seasons of life. He wrote a book called How Now Shall We Live, right? How Now Shall We Live? It's a classic in Christian literature, and I commend it to you if you ever have the time to read it. But one of the things that he said about the counsel that we receive is that people all have, all people have presuppositions. By presuppositions, we mean the basic way that an individual looks at life, meaning their worldview. The grid through which he sees the world, presuppositions rest upon um, that which a person considers to be the truth of what exists. A person's presuppositions provide the basis for their values and therefore for their decisions. And so when God is telling us that in the different seasons of life, we need to be careful about the counsel that we receive, it's primarily because of the fact that the counsel that you receive will turn you either toward God and his purposes or away from God and his counsel and his purposes in your life. We've got to be discerning to know the difference. The counsel of the wicked is ultimately sin-loving and approving. Sin-loving and approving. And when we're talking about sin, we're talking about that which misses the mark, right? That which misses the ways of the commands of God. And it's not just sins of commission that we're talking about, where somebody might say, hey, it's best that you live in drunkenness, right? We can know to resist that because of the obvious fruit of it. Can we not? When somebody says, hey, listen, come party with me, eventually, when I first became a Christian, it was easy for me to turn away from things like drunkenness because I saw the fruit of it out of my life, right? But whenever I was continuing to walk with God, it wasn't just the sins of commission that I needed to be wary of, but the sins of omission, the sins of omission. Because the Bible also says that with the counsel that you're given, you can know the very good that you ought to do, but not do it and have people approve of it. You can have the good that you ought to do and live in on a daily basis that you should be pursuing that you're not giving yourself to because you're surrounded by a people who don't give themselves to the things of God and they'll also approve of the fact that you don't either. That is the counsel of the wicked. The wicked, what the counsel of the wicked does is it does not encourage obedience to Christ in such things as love, purity, and faithfulness, but instead endorses a spirituality that remains independent, self-sufficient, and self-focused. Now, if you're in any culture today, you're in a culture that is independent, self-sufficient, and self-focused. Would anybody agree with that? Everything's about me, 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 me. Right? Everybody's a tenor. And so the thing is, is that we've got to understand how to come into the counsel of God and not the counsel of the wicked. And every conversation that I have, I need to be discerning according to the counsel that I'm being given. I need to be able to discern the voice of God or the voice of the enemy. And the only way that I'm going to be able to do that is through his word. There's a picture that I, I tried my best to um, have our team find. And my te- our team, our tech team is great. But there, there, there is a picture that I saw on, the, um, on, on, on somebody's Facebook post. Caleb, you're amazing. Okay. 
That wasn't you. Okay, Micah, you're amazing. <laughs> Thank you. This is great. This is a picture that I saw recently posted about people and the confusion that they have and what it means to follow Christ. If you can read the uh, <clears throat> quotes there, you see that the gentleman on the left is uh, supposed to be a follower of Jesus. The person on the right, at least, is supposed to be a depiction of Jesus. And he says, Facebook? And he says, no, literally, I want you to follow me. So Twitter. He says, I'm going to start over again, and can you let me know where I lose you? Because people's opinion of following Jesus is oftentimes just nominally ascribing to him, right? Or putting a bunch of likes on things that actually are associated with the things of God. But they don't build their lives or build their decision-making around the counsel of God so that they might have a root system in Christ and his word and therefore have the fruit of it. It all starts with the counsel that you walk in. The question that we have for you starting out today is whose counsel do you most live by? Who is most shaping your thinking? Who is most shaping your decision making? Who is most shaping your value system and the trajectory of your life which tells you what's important and what's not important? Because if it's not Christ, it needs to change today. That applies to every season. Why? Because we know that we must seek his counsel and his word, his people for the plan that he has for every season. Verse 2 again says, if the person is going to be blessed, that their delight will be in the law of the Lord. And in God's law, the person who is blessed, which actually is a word in the scripture that means happy, right? Everybody's in the pursuit of what? Happiness, right? We have whole movies based around it, and people are in the pursuit of happiness, but God's very clearly, as creator, said, listen, you're going to be blessed or you're going to be happy. You're going to find that what you're looking for when you find yourself in the counsel of my word. And blessed are those who walk that way and on my law meditate day and night. But we have a progression in this scripture where it talks about the fact that first people walk in the certain council, but then they get more comfortable with that council through habit, right? We walk first, and then through habit, we begin to stand in a particular place. We begin to stand in the place of habits, right? Anybody have habits that you formed over the years that you probably don't want, but you want, you want to get rid of, but you find them shaping you right now? Well, the only reason that we're in certain habits is that we've walked in a council for a period of time, whether actively or passively. Whether actively or passively, we've walked in certain council and certain habits, and then we begin to stand in places, whether we want to be in them or not, and we find ourselves being shaped by those habits. But the good news is on what you stand can be changed today. On what you stand can be changed by meeting Jesus and actually having the gospel transform your heart and life. In each season, you stand on wit that which you meditate. In each season of life, you stand on that which you meditate. And God wants you to stand on his eternal holy word full of good promises for every season of your life. The way of sinners is simply an existence not rooted in Christ as our creator and Lord. Whenever you think of the stand of the sinner, 
It literally is not one that's necessarily pursuing wrong things because you have plenty of people in your workplace, in your neighborhood, and in your environment who don't honor Christ, but they do good things, right? Anybody know people like that? But when he's talking about people who are walk or standing in the way of sinners, it's without an orientation around Christ. Now, the problem with that as we're developing a root system is you see plenty of people who succeed externally, who do good things externally, but internally they're breaking down. Internally, they're dry. Internally, behind the scenes, they're bereft of the life that they actually are hoping for. They we, see that, we see that people very specifically have this, like their material needs, their external needs taken care of, but internally they look like this. How many people have seen friends and family like this picture before? That they say, on the outside, looks like a picture of a good-looking man, right? Good-looking man. Anybody know some good-looking people in their lives, right? Got some good-looking people in here. And it's like they look good on the outside, look like they have it all together, but if they were to describe their condition, they would say, emotionally, I'm done. Mentally, I'm drained. Spiritually, I feel dead but physically I smile. Anybody ever been there before? Anybody ever seen people like that before? And the truth of the matter is, without a root system in Christ, you begin to stand in the place of a facade. You try to put on a good demeanor. You try to put on a good expression, but you're separated from the lifeblood of God that actually gives you the animating presence of Christ. Jesus, though, is both gentle and gracious. Whenever he sees a man or a woman in this condition, he says, come to me. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. And I'm telling you, you're going to find rest for your soul. Though you've used all the external strength that you have to keep up that facade, he says, come to me because I'm gentle and humble of heart. And my yoke that I want to give you is easy and my burden is light. When I make you a new creation, I'll actually make that which is dead on the inside of you that you've been trying to cover up come alive in me. That's the good news of Christ whenever we choose to build and stand on his promises. Whenever Elizabeth Elliot was speaking, now, if, if you know anything about Elizabeth Elliot, she was a woman who actually had been through something. How many of you have heard of a woman named Elizabeth Elliot before? She was a woman of God, and uh, she was married to a man of God named Jim Elliot, and they were missionaries many years ago. They were going to an unreached people group and were trusting in the promises of God as they were reaching out with the good news of Jesus. But the initial encounter that they had with this people group resulted in the death of her husband in the death or the martyrdom of her husband. And over the course of the year, she had to reconcile, how do I trust a God who said he's good and that I would actually be able to flourish in him and then receive this, this loss in my life and continue to proclaim his goodness? Well, so what she eventually came to is understanding that Christ and not just programs that we go to is sufficient. She said Christ is sufficient, and when we learn to stand in him, we don't need support groups for each and every separate tribulation. What we're not talking about is against support groups. Support groups are great. Support groups are godly. Support groups are good, right? 
for the things that you want to walk through in Christ in community. But at the end of the day, Christ is who wants to change you. Christ is who wants to fill you. Christ is the one who wants to give you the energizing hope of eternal life. And she said, the most widely divergent sorrows may all be taken to the foot of the same old rugged cross and find there cleansing, peace, and joy. Meaning that I don't have to be dependent on a program to set me free. I can actually be dependent on the one who's giving wisdom to all of the programs that are initiated. I want to actually be connected to the vine that we were talking about last week, not just the extensions of the vine. I need to meet Jesus, the living, resurrected Christ, and not just the wisdom that he, pre- that he preaches and passes on to us, right? This is what he's saying. Regardless of where you're coming from, regardless of what addiction, regardless of what sin, regardless of what mental state, God is saying that Christ is sufficient for you as you learn to stand in him. And blessed will you be. Blessed and happy will you be. That's why he says, going back to verses 3 and 4 in Psalm 1, he says, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. That's, that's a big one, right? And its leaf does not wither. How many people have been Christians before and experienced some difficulties? Hello? Experience some difficulties, but do you know the promise of God to you as it is to me is that in the midst of dry seasons, our leaf will not wither. Our leaf will not wither during challenging seasons if we learn to stand not in the counsel of sinners, but in the counsel of God. And the Bible says that in all that he does or all that she does, they prosper. The wicked are not so, though, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. God's promise to you is that you can prosper in every season if you develop your root system in him. It does not mean that there won't be challenging seasons. It means that in the midst of those challenging seasons, you can thrive. Hello. And I'm not a man who's up here talking without challenges in life. You hear me? I'm not a man who's up here talking as if I haven't experienced something before. Anybody ever experienced something before? And sometimes you could hear preachers like just telling you all the good things that you ought to do or you ought to believe, but you don't have experience that actually you've walked through anything. Well, I'm telling you the Bible is true. I'm telling you that your soul can thrive in the midst of dry seasons if you learn to stand in the counsel of God and develop your root system in him. Because ultimately, it's not just about where we're standing, it's about where we're seated. In each season, your root, ter- ter- I'm sorry, your root determines your fruit. When seated perpetually in Christ, you will bear the good fruit of God's promises in season. In season. Can everybody say that with me? In season. In season. In season. Now, that's the hard part of Christianity, is it not? That there's a season to everything. There's a season to everything. And oftentimes when we've planted and we've sown and we've invested, we want the product of our investment immediately. 
But the truth is, is that what's going to hold us as Christians is getting this revelation that he says he's going, you're going to bear fruit in him in season. In season. Now this brings us to the last place of sitting in the place of scoffers. If you look in the NIV, the Bible also says, blessed is the man or woman who does not sit in the seat of, not just scoffers, but another translation is mockers. Mockers. And oftentimes I've been in seasons where I've been tempted to become a mocker. You know what a mocker is? A person who's become bitter and cynical. Bitter and cynical towards the truth or the affairs of life. Now, why do they become bitter and cynical? It's oftentimes because the season that we're going through takes a little bit longer than we would like. Anybody realize that? If you don't think Chicago weather, there are certain seasons that are a bit longer than we'd like, right? It has turned and it's turned quickly here, has it not? Did anybody, was anybody else hoping for one last 70 degree day? Well, it's over, people. <laughs> it's over. And you know, the next time we'll see it is probably in April or May. And is that a bit longer than anybody would like it to be? But guess what? The good news about Chicago is that I love when people come to Chicago. They say, you know what? It's a city that actually has what? Seasons. You guys actually have a spring. You guys have a winter. You have a summer. And you have a fall. They'll be it two days. <laughs> it's like you actually have seasons here, right? And the good news about God is that he's doing something in the earth in the midst of each of those seasons. In the midst of each of those seasons, he's using it to cause his earth to flourish, the people in it to flourish. He causes his sun to shine on the wicked and the righteous in his mercy, and he's doing something in those seasons to actually produce something good. Now, that doesn't mean you don't need to pop vitamin D pills and get a little extra kick, but it does mean that God's doing something good if you learn to stand in the midst of seasons and not become a scoffer. People begin to become cynical, and we begin to gravitate instead to the quick fix or get rich quick mentality whenever we're in a season that takes longer than we would have liked, right? That's our generation. Show me what's going to get me where I want to be quickly. Where's my money-making scheme, right? Even people who, I know we have uh, different people who work in finance here and, uh, you know, you're always approached by people who are looking for that quick trade even in the market, right? That quick trade that's going to make me my fortune, and then I'm going to live as a 34-year-old retiree for the rest of my life. That's what people's mentality is today, right? But the Bible says that we need to allow the Word of God to produce fruit in its season. We need to have an investor's mindset. And before you ever see fruit, plants have a well-established root system from which they draw life-sustaining nutrients. Where is that? It's the Word of God. R.C. Sproul. He said, I think the greatest weakness in the church today is that almost no one believes that God invests his power in the Bible. Everyone is looking for power in a program, in a methodology, in a technique, in anything and everything but that which, is, which God has placed it. 
his word. He alone has the power to change lives for eternity, and that power is found in the scripture, meaning that in every season you need to be connected to that word and the promises that are found therein. We must give God's promises the time to work, the time to work. They bear fruit in season as we are faithful to remain rooted in his commandments and his ways. Now, how do we know this? If you would, turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. I love God's nature whenever he's talking about even the last days that we find ourselves in. It's been a long time since Jesus went to that cross. It's been a long time since he was resurrected from the dead. It's been a long time since he ascended into heaven, and it's been a long time that we've been in the last days. Whenever Peter was writing to the church, he said this. He said, this is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing this first of all, that what? Scoffers. Scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. This is what Psalm 1 was talking about. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord... One day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Does anybody love that and hate it at the same time? God in all of eternity is looking down and is like, I got you. I've got this. Let it bear fruit in season. I still am who I am, regardless of the season that you're going through. I've got you in mind. I've got your healing. I've got your deliverance. I've got your freedom. I've got your salvation in mind. Stick with me. He says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish. Isn't that good in the heart of God? Not wishing that any should perish. How many people know that God's been patient with them? How many people are sitting in the seats today because God was patient with you and decided not to come back when he could have? Hello, that's me. If he had come back beforehand, I would have been like, whoops. <laughs> but because he was patient in keeping his promise, I stand before you today testifying. Many of your family and friends do the same. But that all should come to reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. 
since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God? because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That's the promise that he has for all believers. He says, it's going to be a season for it. It's coming. Wait for it. I'm not slow in keeping my promise. I'm going to bring it. But if that's how I'm slow in your mentality in keeping my promise of my return, how much more so when I'm dealing with the affairs of everyday life? It applies the same way. If you're believing for a healing, good news, God's not slow in keeping his promise. If you're believing for provision, good news, God's not slow his promise. The good news is that in whatever condition you find yourself, God will come through in season. In season, if you patiently wait for him and remain rooted in him. Now, whenever we think about this, though, we have to sort of wrestle with the idea of what we think is God coming through or not on our terms and in our timing on our terms and in our timing. And oftentimes we can lose confidence or lose the energy to pursue him if he does not meet our standards of timing, right? But this is what Charles Colson said. He said, it is not what we do that matters, but what a sovereign God chooses to do through us. God doesn't want our success as, as the world describes it, right? God doesn't want our success or what we think of as success as the world describes it. He wants ultimately us. And sometimes the shaping influence of our circumstances are the only way that he's going to get a hold of us. Have you ever been in a season before that pressed you into God in a way that no one speaking to you could have? That is God being more concerned about you than your perception of success. He says God doesn't want, demand rather, our achievements. He ultimately demands our obedience. The kingdom of God is ultimately a paradox where through the ugly defeat of a cross, a holy God is utterly glorified. Victory comes through defeat, healing through brokenness, finding self through losing self. That is the kingdom of God. And if you are continually wrestling, trying to buck against the season in which you find yourself, could it be that God will allow you there until you learn the lesson that he wants you to learn? so that he ultimately might have, at the end of the day, you, and not just your achievements. That he might have your heart, and not just your boasts of success. That he might ultimately have your devotion, and not just the nominal Christianity that's attached to so many people. He says, I want you. I died for you. 
I rose again to give you new life. And I'll move heaven and earth to maintain you once I have you. Good news. In the seasons of life. The question is, what is he trying to shake? What have we clung to that's been our root system outside of Christ? Ultimately, the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ on the cross for our forgiveness and his subsequent resurrection from the dead makes a way for an eternal season of fruitfulness for all who turn from their sin and believe the good news. Where are you seated as a Christian? You're seated in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus our Lord. And until that actually becomes good news to you, could it be that he'll give you a distaste for all the circumstances that you find yourself in until that actually becomes what energizes you? What becomes good news to you? Do you understand what I'm saying here? There are so many things that people come to God for or come to Jesus for as an end, meaning using God to get to the ends that they have in their mind. God, if you bless me, I'll have this much money. God, if you bless me, I'll have this relationship. God, if you bless me, then I'll have this type of career. My family will look like this, or I'll get to do these things with my time, my energy, and my talents, right? Using God as a means to an end. And God will ultimately allow seasons to shake that until you can say, my all I have, like we sing in the song, is Christ. Jesus is my life. What is it going to take to get us to that point? What is it going to take to bring us to a place where everything that can be shaken is shaken. So at the end of the day, I'm telling you, I, I feel whittled down day after day. And when people like, I had somebody like the other day who's a new believer, we were doing some Bible study, talked to me and said, hey, listen, man, I read the um, gospel and you're a little bit like Jesus. I said, no, I'm not. Maybe a little bit, but only because I'm here by his grace. And all I can tell you is I'm just thankful to be here. I'm thankful to be on his team. I'm thankful to be called his own. Don't give me any accolades. I'm thankful that he purchased me by his blood. I'm thankful that I'm forgiven. I'm thankful that come hell or high water, I'm still his child. And I'm thankful that he predestined me not only to be sanctified, but to be glorified in him is my destiny as I'm conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. It is your destiny in his love for you. But don't confuse circumstances and the seasons in which you find yourself as something temporary that you're just waiting to get to the other side. What is he trying to do in you so that he might have you? Last scripture and we're done. Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 1 through 10. He says, And you, you, being believers, you, me, were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, right? Picture that, that guy, the handsome guy, right? On the screen, the walking dead. Dead in trespasses and sins, living and breathing, but dead living in sexual immorality, living in drunkenness, living in greed, 
living in lust, all these different things, dead. It makes us dead, separated from God and the life in him, right? You used to be dead, living in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's where you're seated so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them." And so once that becomes our boast, once that becomes our claim, once that becomes our joy, let me tell you, there will be a change of season. You hear that? There will be a change of season. How do I know? Because I read Deuteronomy. I read Deuteronomy. And once they continued around the mountain for 40 years and they finally had a generation that learned the lesson, he said, you've gone around this mountain long enough. Now break camp and go into the land of promise that I have for you. Break camp and go into the land of promise that I have for you. Why? Because I've not changed my mind. I'm eternally faithful, and I've produced in you a faithfulness that can take the land too. Amen? So with that in mind, as we go back into worship, I'm asking each and every one of you to say, God, search me. Test me. Find if there is any offensive way in me. And in this season, get my root system deep in you that you might lead me in the way everlasting. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.